But here's what I want to start with. Do you give thanks before meals? Do you give thanks before meals? And here's what I, and so you don't express, don't raise your hand, but do you give thanks before meals? And then I want to ask two questions. Why do you do that? If someone said, why do you do that? Or why don't you do that? Do you know why you don't do that? And does God care? As we looked at this study of thanks living, it really occurred to me that giving thanks before our meals, uh, why should we do that? Because it's a biblical witness to thanks living. It's a biblical witness to thanks living. The very topic we've studied for the last three weeks, one of the greatest opportunities, one of the greatest witnesses that you can make to, to thanks living, living with thankfulness, is to give thanks before your meal. Now, what are we talking about? Sometimes we call it saying grace, right? And sometimes we talk about giving the blessing. Who will give the blessing? And, you know, in all families, I don't know, extended families, we just had Thanksgiving, we're going to have Christmas. There's almost always a, it's non, no one votes on it. It just happens. The family grace giver. Do you guys have that? I mean, uh, the, the, Kara's shaking her head. Now, if you're a pastor, you're, you're designated right out of the bat. Or if you're a believer and the rest of your family are unbelievers, you are designated right out of the bat. You know, it's just like always, you know. And so uh, I, I, as a pastor, I've had to like uh, delegate this, this, this uh, responsibility, this opportunity off. Who's going to say grace? Say grace, give the blessing, refers to the practice of thanking God for your food before you eat. But here's what I want you to realize. Saying grace is probably one of the most practiced, although I think it's dropping off. This next generation, uh, they don't do it. I'm, I'm just telling you this. They don't do it. Uh, and we'll find out whether that's, you know, is that, is that a big deal or, or whatnot. Saying grace is probably one of the most practiced and least thought about and taught about habits of Christians. Now, uh, what? Uh, let me ask you this: How many of you ever ever heard a lesson on on saying grace before meals? How many of you have ever heard a lesson? Okay, and uh, I've preached on it once. So if you if you were there for that Sunday, you heard it. So teaching on it again. So there's your there's your thing. I mean, nobody you haven't heard a lesson. Well, you're gonna hear one this morning, okay? So let's take a look at it. why do I say saying grace is often practiced but rarely taught? Well, one way or the other, most of us have picked up mealtime prayers. Okay, it's kind of become a thing. Here's some famous ones: uh, good food, good meat, good Lord, let's eat. Amen. You know that's a good one. Lord, bless the bunch that munched this lunch. Amen. I don't know about St. Grace. It's always about poetry, rhyming. God is, now, this is the classic. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. By His hands, we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen. That's actually a good one. And then this is one I grew up when I, when I got saved. I, I, I used this one uh, at opportune times. Rub-a-dub-dub. Thanks for the grub. Yay, Lord. Okay, that's I, I like that one. I outgrew it though. All right, many years ago, I read an article by Chuck Swindoll called "Grace Revisited," 
and he addressed this ritual that so many do or expect to be done but never talk about and don't teach on it. As one uh, uh, writer said, prayer before a meal can become so common that we slide into and out of it without much thought. Other times, we may blow right by prayer and neglect it altogether. This is a missed opportunity for us, okay? And I think I will persuade you of that today. Saying grace is often practiced, but rarely thought about. I I share this uh, uh, at my dear wife's expense, but it's a classic one. And when you're married to a pastor and you do something like this, it is forever an illustration. Uh, Dear Gwen ended our bedtime devotional prayer with Amber when she was six with these words. And thank you for our food. Amen. Okay. And I mean, Amber and I looked up with white. It's like, and Gwen's just like, her face turns red. And we, we were just dying. And then Amber, who I said was six at the time, she just lost it. You know, whenever at six, when you can catch your parents in a faux pas, it's a beautiful thing. And so for a long time, she ended her bedtime prayers by saying, and thank you for our food. And then she'd just crack up. Just, just thought, thought that was the funniest thing. But actually, one day I asked myself this question, why don't I say grace before I drive? Now, we do. Now, here's the, the, the irony, even maybe hypocrisy of us, of our family. We do before a big trip. Well, okay, somehow, you know, we're going to be driving more, so we need to pray. But, hey, I won't get killed tomorrow driving to church. You know, why? and I thought about that. Why, why don't I uh, pray before I uh, say grace before I watch TV? Or why don't I uh, uh, do it the first thing when I get up? And I've shared with you how I do do that. First thing I get up, I'll, I'll say the Lord's Prayer and just thank Him for another day. We talked about that last week. Here's what G.K. Chesterton, who is a famous apologist uh, back in the day, he said this, You say grace before meals. All right. But I say grace before the play and the opera. And grace before the concert and the pantomime. And grace before I open a book. And grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing. And grace before I dip the pen into the ink. You see the idea? It's thanks living. That's what he's saying. We should say grace and give thanks at all times for all things. So here's what I want us to look at. Should we be saying grace before our meals? Should we be doing that? And why should we be doing that? And I would put forth to you this morning that saying grace can be meaningful and not merely mechanical. Well, I always do it. Or mindless, okay? I don't, you know. So here, it can be meaningful. So here's my goal this morning. One, to help you think think about saying grace as a meaningful habit. Secondly, to persuade you that saying grace before meals is a daily witness to thanks living. That it's one way to apply this whole series. And finally, to teach you three principles to daily grow from not merely saying grace to living grace on a daily basis. So this isn't about, 
implementing a legalistic ritual. It's about an expression of the way I live all the time. So here you go. Three principles to daily grow from just saying grace to actually living grace. And here's the first one. Focus is everything. Focus is everything when saying grace, as Gwen's illustration showed us. It is just so easy to do that, right? And if you listen to people who pray before they, they, uh, their meals, you can probably predict what each individual is going to say because we tend to fall into a routine. And by the way, that is not all bad, okay? I pray the Lord's Prayer every morning, and that's a routine, but I think through what I'm saying. Right. So focus is everything. Both Jesus and Paul made saying grace a holy habit. Did you know that? Both Jesus and Paul. So when I first did this study, I just took a concordance and looked up giving thanks or gave thanks or give thanks. And what I found was Jesus is recorded as saying grace or giving thanks before eating on several occasions. He did it. Every uh, before feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000. He did it before serving the Lord's Supper. He gave thanks and afterwards. And he did it before eating the meal with the two disciples on the way to the road of, uh, of Emmaus. That's in Luke 24, 30. Here's what it says. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it. That's, giving, that's saying grace. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. But not only Jesus, we go to the epistles. The apostle Paul gave thanks. Now, listen to this. This is the kicker. Okay, Jesus doing it. Okay, our Lord, we follow our master's example. The apostle Paul did it in Acts 27.35 on a ship in the midst of a storm when they were about to be shipwrecked. Now... All I'm saying is, he's not giving thanks for food because suddenly you do that in a shipwreck when you're about to die. He's doing that because that's his habit all the time. What he did in a crisis is what he did every day. Notice uh, verse 35 says this, And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all, these unbelieving sailors that he's on this ship with. And when he had broken it, he he began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and also took food for themselves. He did it as a witness of thanks living to these uh, pagan sailors. Very interesting. Now, Turn your Bibles to Matthew 14, 19 through 20. This is Jesus saying grace before uh, feeding of the 5,000. I just want you to see because what I'm about to say about focus is built off of this verse, which is like the other ones that I have mentioned. So Matthew 14, 19 through 20. If you take... All of Jesus' accounts, if you take the account by Paul that I just read, you find that there's six key verbs when someone gave thanks. And we see them here in Matthew 14, 19 through 20. You see verse 19? Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down to the grass, 
And he took, so there's the first one, he took the five loaves and the two fish, and two, looking up to heaven, three, he blessed, four, he broke, five, he gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes, six, so they all ate. So there you are, six verbs on on focusing on saying grace. Now, I'm going to combine those into four principles of focus when you're saying grace. Let's look at them. First of all, four ways to stay focused when saying grace. Number one, focus on God, the giver of every good gift. Focus on God. This is a beautiful thing. In verse 19, Jesus took what they were about to eat, five loaves, two fishes, and he looked up to heaven. Listen, pay attention to your Bibles. Ask questions. So here's the question. Why did Jesus look up? Okay, the the passage doesn't tell us, but think about what we have taught and learned these last three weeks. Think about what you know. Here's three reasons I would suggest. Number one, to point to God as the owner of everything. Jesus is saying, hey, what this little boy just gave us this, but it didn't come from him. I want to point you to the owner of everything. Psalm 40, uh, 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The world and all those who dwell therein. He's pointing us, you are the creator and the owner of everything. Secondly, to point to God as the giver of every good gift. He's the owner, but that doesn't mean he has to be the giver, but he's also a giver. Can we hear an amen for that? Aren't you thankful? He owns it all, and he doesn't hold it like this. He holds it like this, and he's giving all the time. So it points to God as the giver of every good gift. And in this series, I know I've quoted this numerous times, James 1:17. Every good gift And every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He's a consistent giver. The creator, owner, the consistent giver. He's looking and pointing us to that. Thirdly, it points to God as his Father who gives everything to his Son. He's looking up because as the eternal incarnate son all that he does comes from the father so he's looking at the owner creator the consistent giver and the compassionate father god who gives it all isn't it beautiful now think about this what do we teach children whether you have children or children here in our uh, promise kids i know pat practices this uh, in our kingdom kids we teach, what do we teach children to do when they receive a gift? Say thank you. We do it. And, 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 and when you ask for a gift, we teach them to say, please, right? Yeah, there we go. Sometimes us adults have to work on that, right? That's the idea. But we should be teaching them why they should say thank you. Not just say thank you because I tell you. Why should you say thank you? To focus on the giver and not just the gift. That's the idea. Hey, a person gave you that. 
a person gave you that. And in this case, that person is none other than the triune God. And why did Jesus take it into his hands? I think this is a beautiful thing. He took it into his hands, as we're going to see in a moment. Yes, he took it to break it up, to give to others. But he also took it into his hands before he prays. And I would suggest to you, it's a thank offering. He's offering that back to God, which God had given. And that's what we should be doing. Number one. Focus on God as the giver. Number two, focus on gratitude to God for what he has given. We see that in the words of he blessed and he gave thanks. So sometimes it says he blessed the food or blessed God for the food and and he gives thanks to God. Now, what is it that we're blessing? So here's the question. Who will say the blessing? Or who will give the blessing, who will bless the food? You know, can, are we even capable of blessing food as a human? I don't know. So that's the idea. So here's the basic idea. That there's two Greek words for blessing and thanks. Okay? And they're very similar. To bless something and to give thanks for something. Uh, both words can refer to praising God for what he has given. So they're kind of used similarly together for praising God. And we have the same thing. So we say, who wants to give thanks? Or who wants to say the blessing? Here's the idea. If we're focused on God as the giver of every good gift, then we're going to naturally focus on gratitude to God and what he's given. So the focus is kind of twofold. We're praising God for who he is as the giver, and we're thanking God for the gifts that he gives. Praising God for who he is as the giver and thanking God for his gifts. And we've talked about this all the way through this series, the giver and the gifts, okay? But here's the bottom. So so in a sense, saying grace is a mini hallelujah chorus. Okay, we just studied the hallelujah study. It's a mini hallelujah course. I praise God. He has given this. Thank you, Lord. Amen. It can be that simple. Thirdly, we want to focus on grace from God to bless what he has given. So we focus on God as the giver. We focus on gratitude for the gift. Here we want to focus on grace from God to bless what he has given. Here's where the idea of blessing comes in. So turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, 6 through 7. Here's another. You're going to see these interchange of these words, blessing and thanksgiving. Mark's, Mark 8, 6 through 7. Again, Jesus feeding the multitudes. And here's what he says in verse 6. So he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the ground and he took, there's that idea, he took the seven loaves and he gave thanks. Now, so notice he's not just taking to break it or he would have gave thanks and then took it and broke it. No, he's taking it and he's offering up to God. I'm not saying that you're there at P.F. Chang's and you take your plate and you lift it up. I'm I'm not saying that, but it's a thank offering. 
It's an offering giving thanks back to God. And I have no reason why I said P.F. Chang, Taco Bell, whatever. It doesn't matter. He took the seven loaves. He gave thanks. He broke them and gave them to his disciples and set before them. They set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish in having blessed them. So this is interesting. Here, he's not just blessing God. He's asking God to bless the fish he said to set them also before them. So what was Jesus doing? Asking God to bless those fish. Well, you got to understand what the word blessing means. Blessing is to ask God to show grace, especially calling down God's gracious power. It's, it, you're basically to bless something. You're saying, God, graciously use this to fulfill your purposes. Bless my children. God, use, give grace and use them to fulfill your purposes. Lord, bless this house. You can bless a house. Lord, bless this house. Give us grace to use this house for your purposes. And so when we're blessing our food, we're saying, God, by your grace, strengthen us with this food so that we can fulfill your purposes. Does that make sense? Bless. Grant us grace. Give us grace. Here's what Jesus is doing. He's calling on God to do through the fish and through the bread what only God can do. Now, what what did he want them to do? In that moment, what did he what is he asking God to do with the bread and the fish in that moment? Do what? He's asking him to multiply. He's he's got five thousand people to feed. Right. So what he's saying is, Lord, by your grace, multiply this to feed the people that are in need before me. So he's praying for the miracle of multiplication. But here's what else he's doing. He's not just feeding them to meet their physical need. He says, Lord, I want you by your grace to multiply this, not to just fill bellies, though that is important at that moment. I want you to show them that I can meet their spiritual hunger. I want you to use this bread, this fish, this multiplication to fulfill your mission here on earth. Show them that I am the bread of life. That's what he's praying and what he's thinking. So, move it into our context. Here is our food. It's sitting before us. Either we have prepared it, someone's prepared it for us, we have ordered it, we have purchased it, we're about to eat. It's sitting before us. And it's been prepared with great effort and great love if it's from our family or it's been bought with great sacrifice, and that sacrifice is increasing as prices are increasing, right? But in the end, if that food is going to sustain your life, it must be God who blesses it. Are you with me? If, if, if that food is going to sustain your life, God has to be working through it and in you. I learned this uh, very poignantly when my dear mother was nine months in critical care, nine months, never left, uh, moved around hospital care, nine months. But after the first 60 days in acute hospital care, you know what we were, our basic prayer request was? Lord, 
enable her to eat because her stomach was such, and that's what ultimately killed her. Um, She couldn't eat. And you just realize how dependent we are. Lord, bless this food. So so here's the, listen, here's what I'm trying to say. The next time you eat, take time to consider that it's only by God's grace that one, you can eat. Two, that you have food before you. And three, that the food you eat will enable you to live one more day. Lord, if it wasn't for you, I couldn't eat. And I, I, let's take it down to the level that I can taste. We've been through COVID, and some of you have struggled with taste with that. Plus, when you get older, my dear mom, uh, she lost her taste you know, as she got older. And so, thank the Lord. Lord, I can eat. I can taste. And, and, you, and, and there's food before me when two-thirds of the world goes to bed hungry on a daily basis. We have so much to give thanks for, for God's grace. And all of that is undeserving. Are you with me? I don't deserve to be able to eat. I don't deserve to be able to taste. I don't deserve to live in Kansas City, taking where I can eat barbecue as often and as much as my budget will allow. And that's getting infrequent. Now, all of that is grace for which we should give thanks. Focus on God, focus on God, uh, focus on gratitude to God, focus on the grace of God, and then fourthly, focus on generosity. Focus on generosity to share with others what God has given. So notice again, as we go back to Matthew 14, and he broke and he gave. He breaks it to give it, And share it with others. And the beauty of it is he gives it to his disciples. And what are his disciples supposed to do with it? Give it to others. They're supposed to be a conduit. They weren't supposed to be hoarding it. And so when we give thanks for food, we should remember God has given me this food to give me strength, to give me life so that I share life with others. Are you with me? So in a sense, Lord, thank you for your generosity to me so I can be generous to others. Now, why did he break the bread? I'll give you two reasons. It was broken to be shared. It was broken to be shared with others and it was broken to be a blessing to others. So every time we give thanks to God, It's meant to be shared with other people. And every time we bless our food, we need to remember, I am blessed to be a blessing. Make sense? There's full of meaning here. Listen to this uh, 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 slight modification of a traditional Anglican prayer for food. Now listen to this. Dear Lord, thank you for this food. Bless the hands that prepared it. Bless it's it to our use and us to your service. So bless this food to strengthen us so that we may be strong to serve you and make us ever mindful of the needs of others. There's the generosity. Through Christ our Lord we pray, amen. So here it is. Dear Lord, thank you for this food. 
Bless the hands that prepared it. Bless it to our use and us to your service. And make us ever mindful of the needs of others. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Now, if you have little ones, you may want to change it to make us ever mindful of the needs of mothers. Okay? And and just remembering who is fixing this and who is preparing this. So, if you want to move from just saying grace to living grace, focus on God the giver. Focus on gratitude for the gift. Focus on grace from God to bless what you're eating. And four, focus on generosity to share. But I don't want you to leave here this morning with a legal, legal, feeling a legalistic mandate that I must do this. So here's the second principle. Here's the second principle for saying grace. And the principle is this. Freedom is essential when saying grace. Freedom is essential. So focus is everything, but freedom is essential. Okay? So my goal this morning is not to legislate, but to liberate. It's not to have a have-to mentality, but a want-to mentality. It's not merely to say grace, it's to live grace And it's not merely to give thanks, but what this whole series is about, it's about thanks living. Okay, so this is what I want to hit. So here's four reasons freedom is essential in saying grace. Number one, whatever we do or don't do, we should be done for God's glory with a grateful heart. So you say, well, I don't do this. Well, okay, don't do it. But don't do it for the glory of God and with a grateful heart. Do you see the idea? The principle is this. How you express it may differ from person to person. Now, granted, the reason I don't give thanks to God before before I eat is because I'm doing that for His glory and with a grateful heart kind of seems inconsistent, and I think it is, but nonetheless... Be sure that whatever you're doing, you're doing it because it glorifies God and you're doing it with a grateful heart. Uh, turn your Bibles to Romans 14, 5 through 6. Romans 14, 5 through 6. Romans 14 is a chapter that talks about doing uh, things that where we have freedom to do them or not to do them and how to view one another. Notice in verse 5 what Paul says. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observe it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe. In other words, I'm, I'm doing this or not doing it. Under the lordship of Christ. Then he says this. He who eats, eats to the Lord. For he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat. And he gives God thanks. The undergirding principle is this. Whatever you do or don't do, you do it under the lordship of Christ. And you do it giving thanks to God. Of course, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, 32 comes in here. Paul says, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, 
do all to the glory of God. So, the idea is this. Before you eat or drink, eating and drinking is such an essential part of life. That's why Paul said whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, everything in life, as G.K. Chesterton tried to say, is to be offered up to God. So whenever, uh, whenever you do these things, wherever you do these things, whoever you do them with, do it with a grateful heart. So that's principle number one of freedom. Second, freedom. We have freedom in the form of saying grace. So the function is to give thanks to God for all things. The form that takes place there is freedom. We don't have freedom to not be thankful. That's the function. But we do have freedom in the form our saying grace does. Now, here's what's interesting. That even though Jesus and Paul model saying grace, the Bible never records what they said. Why? Because you have freedom in form. But they consistently gave thanks. They did it how they did it, so we have freedom in form. Eyes open or eyes closed? I had a friend in seminary, Greg Sitters, who we would uh, we were all single. We were living on campus at Dallas Seminary. We'd go to eat in the cafeteria, and he would sit, and he would just look at his food. And you say, Greg, what are you doing? He said, I'm just looking at my food and giving thanks to God. And I never forgot him doing that, and I have done that at times. To contemplate, man, you know, a burrito. Look at these ribs. Thank you, God. You know, and just eyes open, eyes closed. Privately, corporately. Pray out loud, pray silently. Before the meal, during the meal, after the meal. Do it with words or do it in song or do it in rhyme. All of that is freedom in form. Now, not being grateful is not an option for a fully devoted Christ, a Christ follower. But how you do it is freedom in form. Remember, freedom for a Christian is not freedom to do what you want. It's freedom to do what the Lord wants and has directed you. So maybe the thing we need to all do coming out of this lesson is, Lord, do you want me to give thanks before my meals? And do you want me to always do it? Or do you want me to check in with you and do it? Because that's really, most of us probably have implemented this this holy habit into our lives. The struggle comes with, okay, do I do it when I'm at work? Do I do it with my unsaved family? There's a lot of tension there. And I have felt all of it. I've been through all of it, you know. And then there's that awkward moment where they're eating and you have to, you know, you, do you bow silently? Uh, am I the only one that's gone through? We've, we've all been there, right? And I don't have a lot of, I, I don't have the answers for you, but the Lord does. But here's what I know. I don't want to be, I don't want to be ashamed of my Savior, right? And I want to be, think, and one of the things I've done with unsaved family is I said, hey, could I just give thanks? And who's going to say no? You know, unsaved people aren't going to probably say no family. But I gear it towards, Lord, I just thank you for my family, that we're all here together. You're such a great God. Thank you for this food. Let's have a good time together. Amen. Short, 
thanking God for them. And, you know, so, you know, you're not, I don't pray for the Schmitz with my unsaved family before Thanksgiving meal. I don't pray around the world. I don't scrape the Milky Way with God's attributes. It's just real simple. God, you're such a great giver. You've given me a great family. I'm so glad we can be together. Amen. They may want you to start giving the blessing when you pray that way. So here's number three. Principle number three is this, of freedom. We should not judge one another or show contempt for how others choose to say grace or not say grace. So the idea isn't, hey, they don't pray before their meals. They're ungodly. Or they don't pray like I do, or they don't use the infamous rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the scrub, yay, Lord. They don't say it like I do. Or they said it so lightly, and I think flippantly, it was irreverent. See, all of that enters into this. Are you with me? So we don't judge one another for that. Romans 14, again from that same passage, verse 10. Why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. But rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. Now, we can get legalistic about saying grace. And the Pharisees did that. Uh, because here's another question, because we all, all of us come up with these questions. The Pharisees just took the time to make rules about them. So the thing is, we've all said, should we say grace over this? You ever had a snack? You know, and someone says, well, should we say grace over this? At the, how many? Right? Yeah, you know. Uh, well, when in doubt, give thanks. Okay, that's first of all, that's a good principle. But here's what the Pharisees did. They determined that a meal was anything where bread was served. Anything without a bread was a snack. So they had prayers before and after a meal, and then they had different prayers for before and after a snack. I mean, you can get all down into that. And you know what? If you want to do that for yourself, that is a godly thing to do. You see, we tend to think that kind of detail is ungodly. No, it's godly. What's ungodly is saying you, Denise, have to go into that detail. That you, Cody, have to do it just like I do it. So that's the idea. We don't judge one another. And then number four, uh, saying grace should be done at all times as a part of thanks living. Okay? So saying grace should be done at all times. So this isn't just about meals. Again, G.K. Chesterton showed us that. But here's some verses. I have some verses. Listen to Ephesians 5.20. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watching baseball, eating barbecue, give thanks in all things. Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. First Thessalonians 5:18. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Hebrews 13:15. Therefore by him 
Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. There's just no doubt that spirit-filled, word-fed, Christ-following believers are constantly offering up verbal expressions of thanksgiving to God. Okay? And the meal is just another opportunity for that. Uh, turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4. Let's read another passage. See, Paul taught on this more than what we even realize. We read it and we don't even realize, oh, he's talking about saying grace before meals. So listen to 1 Timothy. Let's look at verses 1 through 5. Notice what it says. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. Okay, apostates, heretics, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. False doctrine is a demonic thing. Verse 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods, notice, which God created to be received with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. He, it's, he created it so that we receive that food with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, that is, every animal, plant, thing that is created, and nothing is to be refused if it's received with what? With thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and what? Prayer. He just taught us to say grace before meals. That whole passage is about saying grace before we take food and that we're free to take it. So here's two simple ways to say grace out of this passage. Okay, let's look at it. First, by praying before, during, or after. And two, by meditating on Scripture. What does the Bible say about what I'm partaking? So you can't use Paul's words to justify taking drugs that you become addicted. Well, I, I, I gave thanks for it. Yes, but it's not sanctified by the word. Do you see what I'm saying? Or we could go to the buffet and maybe the word says you're being a glutton. Okay, so you, you sanctify it by prayer and by word. God is what I'm doing, what I'm eating, what I'm consuming, pleasing and honoring to you. Here's what one author said. Praying before we eat with a grateful heart makes us more like Jesus. It brings pleasure and glory to God, and it recalibrates our minds on the love he has for his children, the gifts he provides us with, and the people he gives us to enjoy those gifts with. I love that. I love that. So here's the third principle. Third principle. If you want to go from saying grace to living grace, flow is what empowers saying grace to become living grace. Where does your prayer before a meal flow from? Does it flow from a heart full of gratitude or is it mindless ritual? Listen, one of the reasons this younger generation hasn't picked up on this is because we haven't taught them why we do it. 
Okay, we haven't taught them why we do it. We just told them, and maybe we didn't even tell them that we do it. We just did it thinking they're going to follow our pattern. Well, no, the world is way too strong. We've got to use the Word of God. What did we just read? By prayer and by the Word, things are sanctified. We need to teach them a lesson like this. This is why I do it. This is why I would encourage you to do it. So let me give you, uh, or let me say it this way. Perhaps saying grace is best understood as praising God for answered prayer. Now, why am I saying that? Because the Lord prayer says, give us this day our what? Bread. So in the morning when I wake up and I pray that, give us this day our daily bread. It's physical and spiritual. So there at breakfast, he's already answered that prayer. There at lunch, he's answered that prayer. There at supper, he answered that prayer. And so really saying grace is praising God for what I've already been seeking Him for. See, here's the thing. We interrupt our secular lives with spiritual ritual. Okay, I live secular during the week, and then I interrupt it with going to church. Or I do secular consumption, and then I interrupt that with an occasional reading of the Bible. Or I live a secular day and I interrupt it with occasionally praying for food. Instead of our whole lives being lived with a grateful heart. Does that, I don't know, that's what hit me out of this. So three things that it should flow from. Uh, Saying grace is living grace when it flows from our daily submission to the Lord. When it flows from, secondly, our daily trust in the loving provision of God, and four, it flows from our daily hope in the kingdom of God. I took that all from Matthew 6. Read through Matthew 6, and you will find all of that. Daily submission, daily trust, daily hope. Our prayer comes out of this. To sum this up, I want you to watch this video that will summarize really this whole series for us. Take a listen. Daniel was a man of God who was an advisor to a king. One day, some men who were jealous of Daniel convinced the king to issue an edict that anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except to the king, would be fed to hungry lions. And yet, When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went to his upstairs room, where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Faced with the hungry mouths of lions, Daniel gave thanks. Paul was a Christian leader during a very dangerous time for the church. He had to leave the city of Philippi after facing mounting persecution and an illegal imprisonment. And all of that persecution was then inherited by the Philippian church. And yet, in his letter to the church, he says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. Faced with violence, prison, even death, Paul told the church 
to give thanks. Prayer and thanksgiving can't be separated. It's as if the only real prayers must be spoken with gratefulness. How else are we to pray without ceasing unless we are living a life of continual thanks? In all situations, at all times, thanking God for everything. You see, the gift of prayer, this privilege of communing with our Creator, is our opportunity to show our complete submission to God's will, in sorrows and joys alike, in all things, in every prayer. There must be one constant. Lord God, thank you. And saying grace before our meals is just one manifestation of that and reminder that we should be thankful. And they did get that wrong in the video. Not for everything, but the Bible says give thanks in everything. Well, I, I grew through this. I hope you grew through this. And, and, and the first part of growing is realizing I'm way too unthankful. You know, I, I lack in gratitude. And the awareness of that has prompted me to be more thankful. I hope it has prompted you. Do you pray for four meals? Whether you answer yes or no, that's your decision before the Lord. But now you know why. And you should be able to communicate that to others. It's a witness. It's a witness. And perhaps more of a witness than what we realize. Let's pray. Lord, we can't help but end this with giving thanks to you. Uh, You are a great God, full of grace, and you're a generous giver. I pray for each person here that they will contemplate uh, what to do about this holy habit how to implement it, why, and I hope this has been an encouragement to each person. I thank you for each person here. Their presence, just presence alone, is an encouragement. Their growth by your grace is an even greater encouragement. May we grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ as we close out 2022 and head into 2023. We give you the glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's people said, Amen.